You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. One of the things that I have to say when uh, we got you guys on the show, gosh, when was that now? That was 2018? That was like a year at and a half ago. At least a year and a half ago. Because that was an, an Austin trip, right? Yeah. So that was oh, Paleo FX. Because we haven't been to Paleo FX in over two years. Okay. Yeah. So it was then. And I remember at the time, you know, talking to you guys about kind of like how you progressed the, the podcast and you're like, we, we've been doing it for four years. And I remember at the time being like, wow, that feels like a long time. But before you know it, it's almost it's two years for us now. But I liked that, you know, I remember we had like some like late night chat and you were like, just go all in on the podcast. And I'm like, ah. Like I probably, we could. I, I, I mean, I mean, of course you, you got to do what you, you, right. want, but I, I mean, I get a chance to meet obviously a lot of people doing this and you yeah. get a chance to meet some people that have it. Like you have, uh, and even watching you speak today, like you, you have that, uh, charisma about you and you carry yourself well, you have a good conversation, you're intelligent you, and you have a ton of experience in this space. So you can speak intelligently to it. You can ask good questions. I just think there's a lot, a, a ton of opportunity there. But at the end of the day, you have to love it as much as you. I mean, you go up there and you kick ass today. You probably love doing that. So it was, it was fun, and I, I still do love coaching so much. But to give you guys um, listening a little bit of background, so I'm here with Adam Shaper of Mind Pump, and we've had Mind Pump all three. Um, well, there's four, but three speakers, talkers on the podcast uh, on the episode four. If you guys have not listened to that first episode, make sure you go back and listen to the first episode with Mind Pump. And we're here in Scottsdale, Arizona, an event, talking business. And um, it was cool to be able to connect and kind of hear your trajectory like a year and a half ago and just how much you guys have grown just even the last year. So kind of like bring everyone up to speed on what's up with Mind Pump and where you guys are at with stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to – and I was trying to recall right now when you just asked me when when it was we were hanging out. I'm trying to remember – I think it was like April 2018, so it was yeah. about a year well, and a half ago. I do better with like, where were we Okay, at? where were we doing? Wise? How much staff did we have? Where were we I think you guys were at like, you told me you were about 30,000 downloads a day at that point. Okay, so um, we're doing closer to seventy to 80,000 downloads a That's day. That's incredible. On the podcast. Um, the YouTube channel is, I think, 360,000 subscribers. It adds about three to 500 new subs every day. Um Email, I think the email list was barely getting going back when we were talking. You guys were just setting up funnels and stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So, that with Taylor or whatever. Yeah. Where, where, where we were at. In fact, that was probably one of the most pivotal, pivotal things in the business was 
uh, getting that going. Uh, and it was kind of the theme uh, I think I heard from everybody, including my talk yesterday. It was mm-hmm. like, if I could share one thing with you guys about our journey was, man, I wish we would have started capturing emails way earlier uh, because what was once uh, no revenue for us uh, later on turns into be, you know, 70% of the income that we mm-hmm. make comes from uh, that email list. So it's a, it's a very large number it supports uh, all the employees that work for mind pump and is now our foundation. And, and it's so much uh, more scalable. There's so much more room for us to continue to grow that and improve that whole process. So that's kind of where we were at at that time. We were, I had figured out the formula to make about $30,000, 30 to $40,000 a month, um, was selling our programs. Like, so yep. our main source of income at that time, uh, was, uh, we, I think we had our, our, our first three major foundational programs, uh, maps, anabolic maps, performance and maps aesthetic. And the way we converted was the podcast was the top of the funnel. And we had a cheesy website that um, basically was built just to convert. It wasn't like going to attract anybody. It was like, if you heard the podcast, we built value there. You were, if you were on that website, you were definitely there just to buy because you weren't <laughs> surfing around for anything because it was aesthetically not pleasing at all. Um, and uh, that we hit that point, And then I realized, okay, if we collaborated with uh, other good podcasters like yourself that had a, a good following... Um, you know, and I did about eight to 10 a month, I could keep that revenue there. Like that was like, okay, 30 to 50, we'd probably peak out a a thousand a month. Uh, we would make, if I was getting on eight to 10 podcasts, yeah, every single month. And so that, and this is actually where the term, uh, you know, or where we coined podcast hard. This is where this came was, you know, that was our hustle. If we could get on these podcasts, keep collaborating, it would dump enough people in through the funnel and that would keep us generating revenue. But it was taxing. I mean, we were flying all over the place or paying for people to fly in. And uh, it just, it wasn't really scalable. Uh, and that's been kind of like the, 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 the fun part of this business. I love that. I love trying to figure out how do we keep scaling and growing and removing ourselves from the business. And uh, we took a big leap. We hired a marketing team, uh, a digital media company, and we brought them on. And I remember like it was going to cost us like 30 grand at the time, which was a lot of money for the business. And we were all like kind of nervous about it. Like we had kind of figured out how to make decent money and we were all pretty happy liking what we're doing. But then we knew if we wanted to go to the next level, we might have to reinvest. And so we did, we reinvested in it. It took about six months of building out the website, getting all the stuff set up, the lead magnet set up. And then about six months after that, we started to actually really see the revenue start trickling in. And then I'd say six months after that, so about a year and a half later, it was now surpassing anything that we could do. Sponsorships, stuff like that. Anything we could do hustling-wise, it had surpassed that. And then eventually 2X'd it, 3X'd it. And then, like I said, now it's responsible for a good 70% of the revenue. So that was probably one of the biggest game changers. Um, Another big piece that's that's been... Uh, that we've done since I've seen you last is we have changed like um, the way we do advertising on podcasting. Uh, I saw an opportunity in this space when we first came in. Uh, Kind of the MO was you build an audience, uh, you get a a good network of people. Uh, There's agencies that are out there that contact you and they say, hey, Jill, you got a great podcast. Uh, We think I have a couple brands I think fit well with you and they, they pitch you with 
you know, mushrooms or whatever for the fitness space. Right? <laughs> CBD is yeah, hot. We've been, oh, we're pitched hot all one. the time. Right. That's yeah. the hot one, right? So I'm like, how about THC though? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so you get pitched uh, that from probably some agency and uh, most uh, podcasts that are trying to scale and make money, take it on and they say, yes. I saw a, a problem with that right away. And then what I saw was, okay, how, how is it that the guy who authored some book 20 years ago and is really, really smart, but dry as fuck, has no sales experience, but has a podcast exactly the same size as me, get paid the same money for advertising something. When I know that I've spent half my life uh, practicing and, and, and developing my sales skills and uh, so have my partners, why, why do we get paid the same amount of money? That doesn't make sense to me. And I started kind of digging into it. And you know what I found was like, there's this, this made up uh, number that people pay, you know, CPMs. yeah. What is it? It's like, oh yeah. CPMs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, uh, it's roughly, you know, 20 to $40 uh, per CPM, which means for every thousand downloads that you have on your podcast, they pay 20 to $40. And I didn't accept that. I was just, I questioned it right away. Like this doesn't make sense to me. Like why, why would I who do Nate, that? Who right. like made that up? Yeah. So, um, that made me even go deeper and go like, okay, how is this working for everybody else? And because I've built a lot of relationships with other podcasters that were doing this, I'm kind of asking like how they work with it. And everybody had kind of done the same thing. Nobody really got into podcasting to advertise and make money. So they just kind of was like, oh yeah, that's, I make a little bit of money with selling these products and mentioning this. And I was like, no, we're not going to do it that way. Since we had the foundation from the programs, we didn't need sponsorship. So it allowed me to, to turn down any opportunities and then to actually start seeking out companies. And so I brought somebody on, I hired somebody for this position, taught him what I wanted him to do, which was look for brands that were up and coming. Um, and what we would look for, we would look for somebody that, uh, we thought, uh, we liked something, something we would use. Uh, we wanted something that was newer. So they were on maybe their first or second round of funding. So they were on the upward swing. Uh, already obviously proven they have a good business because they've taken on money from somebody. So uh, most likely going to be around uh, and they fit well with the brand. We would end up courting them, talking to the CEO. And then I would, I would pitch them on letting me market and advertise your product. Uh, we cut out the middleman. So right away, the 50% that you lose by going through those companies, um, I was going to make 50% more just because of that. And then uh, I would ne negotiate what I thought we could convert. Um, and I was very transparent with what we were charging, what we would do. Uh, and I wanted to know from them how we were converting. And my promise to them was that we would make right. And what I did was I said, okay, <clears throat> we have the podcast as our main source to do that. But here we have this email list that's, you know, got well over a hundred thousand people in that. Now the YouTube's got 350 something. We've got the blogs that are going out. We've got our Instagram pages, our Facebook, Twitter. So I have all these other platforms and what a lot of people like to do is try, oh, you know, $50 for a post here. Mm -hmm. I don't do any of that. What I do is I negotiate, um, you know, okay, it's, we're going to charge you $10,000 a month to uh, advertise your brand. Um, let's agree on what uh, you need ROI for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make right. I'll make sure that you're happy. And I have a team to support that, that will be talking to you every single week and making sure that we're delivering on what we promise. And we use the other platforms to, if we need to, if the podcast isn't generating them enough revenue. And we began to build this advertising side of the business. And we just, one company after another, and now, now we work with anywhere between 25 to 30 uh, partners, all of 2020. 
uh, is completely booked out uh, for advertising and sponsorships. Love all the brands that we're dealing with. Um, it's a that side of the house by itself is a multi-million dollar piece of the business now. And just when we met, I don't think it was generating more than probably few thousand dollars at best. So. Yeah. It's so interesting. I love that. I've never heard that. Obviously it's, it's awesome. Have you, um, how do you manage all those brands? Like, you know, I know you guys podcast what, like for an average of like four times a week or something five. like five. Okay. Right. So, how does that balance so that? Something that um, Are you like butcher box every single time or what? No, no, no. So, uh, I, I we, so we actually normally the, the biggest sponsor we have is Organifi. It's the only company um, that I talk about four times a month. All the rest are one or twice. And we did that because we wanted to be as authentic about it as we could. Um, there's not very many brands of anything that I use every other day, you know? But did I have I used Organifi Green Juice in the last week? Yeah, so it's very easy for me to talk about and advertise. Uh, was I wearing Viore clothes yesterday? Yeah. Was I sucking on a dosis pen 30 minutes ago? Yes. Like it's really easy for us to talk about a brand once or twice a month, especially when you have three hosts. So we structured it that way where instead of having one or two sponsors that were pumping like crazy, which takes away from the message and it, the authenticity of it. Um, and we learned that like it wasn't out the gates. Like I pieced that together later. Like at the beginning, I actually thought the strategy would be let's just get four big sponsorships. Right. There are talk about them every time. Talk about them. And what we found, right, we were like, oh. And again, this is where we always revisit our why and our purpose and staying authentic and true to ourselves. That's always been our message. And when we felt that we weren't being authentic, we questioned it right away. Like if you know, here we are talking about this thing all the time. Like I wouldn't do that. You know, because I didn't fucking use it all the time. I used <laughs> yeah. it when it came about, right? So we right away pivoted out of that and said, and we actually turned down money at one point. Uh, we said, no, we don't want to do it that way. We um, we will give you one, two commercials. So besides Organifi, we give nobody else more than two commercials in a month. So in a matter of thirty days and five episodes a week, I'm going to end up using your brand it, for sure. One of us three is going to have used it a couple of times. And so then it makes it very easy for us to talk about and share how we currently just used it. So, so what if someone came to you and they were maybe an up and comer? Cause I'm looking at ways I could market myself as a personal brand, right? We have a lot of health and fitness pros who listen to this. I would say probably half our audience are professionals. Um, if I was like, okay, you know what? I have like this, you know, I know that mind pump, I have a really cool story. I know mind pump accesses a ton of people. Could I just hand you like $10,000 to be on your show? I would turn it down because I've been offered that already. Um, so I've had, I've had people. You guys don't charge for pitches or anything like that? No. Well, we just, and we've been offered lots of money by companies. And I won't throw people under the bus that have tried to bribe us with things like that. Even people that are friends of mine that have, that have stuff. And they know the power of the podcast now. Um, we're, we're at a point it makes me feel really good about how we built this and why we built this, all this, that, uh, money is, and I love making money. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the main driver of how we make decisions. And so when people come to us with that, like, Hey, I'll pay 10, 20,000. Some have offered more to, to get a, get on and do an episode. The way we look at it is it, it, if it doesn't add value to our audience, then I'm not interested. The dollar doesn't really matter. And at this, at this point, um, you know, we're charging between five and seven thousand dollars for a commercial. We have two commercials per podcast. 
So an episode's already valued for me well over ten thousand uh, dollars with the people I like and the partners I, I sought after. So uh, yeah, somebody would um, even if someone did try and offer a, a, an ungodly amount of money, we're not motivated by that. We wouldn't um, we wouldn't let somebody on the podcast for that reason at all. I can't see um, how that would work out. But if you're somebody who we've built a relationship with, um, I like you, I like what you're, you're doing or what you're talking about and we're friends and I can see that your message will add a lot of value to my audience. Like, yeah, I would, but I would, then I wouldn't charge you if I felt that, if right. I really felt that way about you and I, and I believe what I say that I fucking, it's not about money for me, then I would just have you come on my show and say, fucking talk to my audience. You obviously have a great message. So. Very cool. So what, do you think obviously super successful what do you think the podcast space is such an interesting space because it's kind of small it is a little bit yeah. so we just had jordan shallow on this podcast mm. he wasn't received that well on this and i told him that so he knows but it's oh, just, he has a different energy he does and i really respect him and we're good friends but yeah they were like a little bit well he's abrasive He's very abrasive. Super smart, super competent. Oh, overly smart. Yes. Um, uh, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, though. Uh, but he was yeah. saying the podcast space is really small, and I guess you guys did like a little like podcasting, like vacation or yeah, staycation or podcation. Did, you were invited to that. You remember there was a Tahoe event we did. A I wasn't years. invited. Yes, you were. It was a, it was like a couple. Got years Got lost. Ago. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago we did that. We didn't do this. We didn't do that last year because uh, it wasn't. I mean, we I spent a lot of money doing that for everybody else. Um, that was what, that was a, a relationship play with me. Like, um, I invited like 20 different podcasters. We paid for this big old mansion in Tahoe and we got them all together. Let I organized everything, the team and, um, worth I, it though. Huh? Worth it though. No, really? Yeah, not at all. Uh, in fact, I, I, and I, I had a little sour taste in my mouth about it. Um, I, I have a really hard time when, when, uh, when I when I know I'm coming from a really good place and my heart is right and and I and I put a lot towards that and I do I care a lot about relationships and I give and um, uh, somebody that we invited uh, you know kind of and she didn't completely like badmouth us but she did something in poor taste over the whole event um, she made like oh it was a bunch of bros and you know it felt sexist and I was just. I was like, man, that really sucks. Like uh, to invite somebody into that circle that was very private. That was something that I spent a lot of money. Uh, it did not benefit me financially at all. It costed me a ton of money and time and effort, my team. And uh, to have someone do that, like really put a poor taste in my mouth and, and kind of was like, you know what? Like, I don't need to do that. Like that was for them. And uh, if, if that's how that's going to be received, it's not something I really want to spend my time and effort doing. So, uh, it's, and we're at a place now, um, where, uh, we've really honed in on our podcasting skills, what brings the most value to our audience, what drives the most leads to our business that collaborating, we don't even collaborate with podcasts anymore. And that's not like me going like being snooty and saying, Oh no, you can't be on my podcast. I'm too good now. No, it's just that we don't even like even good interviews. We pass up because good interviews, some of the most famous people we've had on our show, like you know, the Mark Manson's, the mm -hmm. Ryan holidays, the, um, we just had Bishop Barron, who was a massive following. We have, uh, you know, we get really good guests, Jim quicks. They, 
those people don't even outperform our single topic episodes. Interesting. So from a business perspective, and, and those are the hardest to do. I mean, it takes scheduling and, you know, half the people you deal with are pretentious as fuck. <laughs> Got to pay for them to come over and all this. And it's just all this effort to, you know, to say that I had this big name on my show, but it really doesn't drive any more traffic to the business. Not really. Uh, not as much as us actually sitting down, putting some thought into a, a good topic, writing around that topic, uh, it being organized about it, and then building value behind it. So after you listen to it, we have all this other free content and stuff that goes with it. I mean, that drives so much more revenue to the business. It gives so much more value to our audience that I've got to be really compelled to to have somebody else on the show now. Like we've just kind of figured it out for ourselves that it's you know, and then most time it's selfish if it's somebody who like I'm really like I just had near IL. I don't know if you know who that is. Awesome. It was awesome because he was counter a message that I had been giving for a really long time. And I love that. I love my challenging my own beliefs. Um, I had read the book uh, Adam Atler a couple of years ago, Irresistible. It was extremely impactful for me. Uh, Dr. Andy Gaplin's Unplugged also, and then uh, Gene Torre's uh, iGen. All three incredibly impactful books uh, a couple of years ago that I had gone through. And that message had been like weighing on me this whole, like, what's tech doing to us? And I was talking about how how dangerous it can be and this generation coming up and, uh, and not intentionally fear-mongling, but I mean, it definitely uh, was weighing on me to a point where I was like constantly referencing the books and to where the guys were teasing me about it. And out comes this guy near who's like total counter message to that. And it's like, no, it's not. It's not the root cause. And, you know, they said that when, you know, newspapers came out and television came mm. out. And and so we reached out and had him on the show. And it was uh, for selfishly, it was just a fucking enthralling conversation. And so that's now how we kind of decide if someone's going to come on the show is it's selfishly it's somebody who i think is going to be a great uh conversation a, a lot of times i like when it's someone who's going to challenge the way i think and believe because that's how i grow and learn um that's pretty much the the only way we'll do interviews now because it's just not it's not worth the time we'll do way better off by creating content like centered for our audience and uh, no more podcasting events for us. For <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so interesting because it's science, it's counterintuitive to what you think. Like, so I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to get really amazing guests who have huge followings who are going to then share it to their social platforms and tell their people about it. And that's how we're going to grow this thing. Did you guys have a phase like that or Absolutely. it really wasn't? Absolutely. I, up until maybe a year and a half to it's why it's one of the things I like to share with other people that are either running a podcast or aspiring to run one is uh, I was completely fooled by that. And you know, when we, and we see examples that I think why when you're in podcast, you, like, like Joe Rogan, for example, um, the, the podcaster, right? The Oprah of podcasting uh, as far as size is concerned. But when I unpack like how I listen to Joe Rogan, if I listen to him, cause I don't, I'm not a like daily listener, but I'll listen to some of his episodes. I listen only because of the guest. Now, Joe Rogan is, he's doing it to be a great interview. That's his only motive. Now, we we did a podcast to support our business, right? Like we found it as a, a great medium to channel our message and help scale our business. That's why we started it. So, you know, if you're doing it to become a, a great interviewer, like our friend Jordan Harbinger, who I think is one of the better interviewers on podcasts mm -hmm. out there, which that is his motives, 
then yeah, these compelling guests that challenge you that are hard, like that, that's great because you're just getting, you're refining your skill as a podcaster. But for someone who's getting in a podcast, uh, starting a podcast to build their business, then big name guests actually don't translate very well at all into, into that, especially when, you know, for example, a, a random guest that comes on your show that, uh, you know, like a near that has, doesn't have, doesn't translate to uh, working out very well mm -hmm. or my fitness program. So it doesn't make a lot of sense other than unless it's adding a lot of value to people's lives. So, uh, and what happens a lot of times is those people, if you do get a famous person that, you know, posts about you, cause I know that, um, after Mark Manson did ours, he gave us like an extremely, uh, incredible compliment. Uh, you know, he did 150 interviews at the launch of his last book. And, uh, you know, he referenced us as being one of the best people that interviewed him, all these people. That's awesome. And he's posting it on his page and put it out in his newsletter I mean, his episode did pretty well, but we didn't see, we didn't retain a ton of that. Those are like Mark Manson fans, you know, they're yep. already bought into what he's saying. They love what he has to do. And they're not trying to like add size or yeah. power lift or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it, it just, it doesn't add as much as you think to your audience. And so, yeah, we, we completely shifted, but for a very long time, uh, I, I thought that was it. I thought, oh, we needed these guests to the point where, I mean, we've paid for lots of people to come. We fly them in and do that and, and red carpet treat them. And, and now we're at a place where it's just like, oh, you know, if they want to come on the show, that's great. If they don't, we already know that we do better continuing to refine our message. And that's something that I stress to podcasters is, you know, I, I highly recommend unpacking the things that you're doing well and then trying to formulate that and get better at that. So there, there's been a major evolution in our show. In fact, like when I go to these events and yesterday, like I asked uh, the audience, so we're talking to what, 100, 120 people or whatever. I always ask, you know, how many of you have heard of Mind Pump? And everybody raised their hand. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that everybody would have listened to the show by uh, like that. And, you know, as I go around the room and I'm talking to people individually, you know, they, they talk about how, when they, oh, they're huge fans. They, oh, I listen to all this. And then I always ask like, oh, like, you know, when did you start listening? And a lot of people are just the last two years, mm. you know, so they didn't see a lot of the evolution of us podcasting. And that to me, th those years, if you're somebody who's interested in, in, you know, refining or getting into podcasting to me, like the, the shitty stuff to where we're at now is so important to like figure out like, what did, what did they do that was so different? And I'll give you an example. Like, mm -hmm. We came to a point where uh, this was another pivotal point in the business where the podcast, we had like this divide. 50% of our audience um, loved the first 45 minutes of the show of just banter. bullshitting. Yeah. Yes, the banter, locker room <clears throat> talk, whatever. Uh, and they, they, they weren't, some people weren't even into fitness. Like we had people that like just like listen to us talk. They felt like we were their brothers or they just made them feel like a fly on the wall in a boy's locker room. So they enjoyed that. And then we had the other half that hated that because it was so bro and locker room-esque and they wanted the science. They respected that we were knowledgeable. We were experts in our field. Get to the shit you know about. Stop talking to us about the stuff that you're speculating about or whatever. Like we want to know uh, the fitness stuff. So we were really torn on like, what do we do here? Like, do we create a different show? Do we cut something off? Like it's it, because we were divided down the middle. It was a tough decision. And we went back and forth, like arguing over this. And I remember the final thing that, uh, that we came to, and it was, I know this was an idea that, uh, I thought would be, would solve the problem. And I said, well, let's start, 
let's intro the show after we do the show and let's tell let's forecast for people what they have to expect like so in this first 45 minutes of banter we talk about x y and z and then at minute whatever we transition into the fitness portion and that was like the first phase of really uh refining the show and the content in the show was that move that really helped a ton like you could tell people received that really well now if you didn't want to listen to that you fast forward right to it then we started to kind of unpack what was in those those sections that people were really drawn to and the stuff that we would we started to come up with is like okay people really appreciate how vulnerable we are how honest we are in talking about our personal lives, struggles, challenges, whatever. Okay, that's a piece. Uh, people really enjoy uh, Sal's science mind. Like they just love hearing Sal's always reading the newest study. They love to hear him explain the study, unpack it, and share it, and for that common person to to understand. Uh, people really under uh, really enjoy listening to me talk about business. I'm normally reading in that side or a new book or whatever, and so sharing what I'm reading it into. And then Justin is more on the, the comedy humor side and entertainment. And so what's he watching or paying attention to or his great humor that's in there. And so we began to kind of formulate that. And we, and we knew that it was important that we did it in an authentic way. So we didn't want to script it. You couldn't be like, okay, Adam, you're up. What book this week? Right. Right. So we were like, we, we can't do that because that'll take away from the authenticity piece. But we can all start practicing things to help formulate that a little bit. So, and it was very unsaid. It was like, you go do this, you go do that. It was like, okay, I, I get it. I see what people are liking. I know what I need to do. So, you know, either every night or every morning, I have certain articles. If I'm not already reading a book, I'm reading certain articles and I, and I take notes like, okay, oh, that's a, that's a great point to talk about. Oh, great. And I just make notes in my phone and the other boys do the same thing. And when we get to the studio... Uh, each of us will give like, like, and we only give Doug like a word, like, so it doesn't give away anything really. I just say like, oh, Doug, you know, uh, article, article on CrossFit, uh, getting in the $4 million lawsuit, you know? And so he'll just put that up there. And so everybody will kind of throw a bunch of stuff to Doug and Doug puts it up on the TV. So we know that, okay, those are my points somewhere in the conversation. I'll find a way to insert it in our casual conversation. And then we always have at least two sponsors that we know in that morning, which that's part of Rachel's job. She comes in every morning. She says, okay, boys, today is uh, Skinny Dip Almonds, uh, Viore Clothes. And then her job, because she manages those accounts, is, uh, oh, Viore just released their new Sunday joggers that are going on right now. Oh, Skinny Dip, just their peppermint uh, almonds just released for their Christmas. So, okay, cool. So she knows her job is to deliver points, talking points for us. Uh, and then we just go and we start having our normal conversation. And, you know, before we start to, when we have the sponsors, normally one guy will go, oh, I, I've got skinny dips, you know, and that's because he's something happened in the last week where whether his kids were having it or whatever happened. So I know Justin's got it covered. And then Sal will be like, oh, oh I got Viore. I'm like, okay, cool. So we just, those guys now know that they're responsible for inserting that somewhere in the conversation. And, and really what's happened in the last year, year and a half, I would say is, now that we kind of have that formula down is, is perfecting our craft is, you know, how well can we transition? How comfortable are we with silence? Mm. Um, how good of topics can I bring uh, that are, you know, debatable? People love when we disagree, you know, so finding stuff that I know uh, will poke at Sal or Justin and that we'll have good dialogue about. So 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I I try and I hope that we look like we're just having fun and that it's easy and everything. But there's a lot of work that goes into like getting the message to where it's at, and I definitely know that's a big res- uh, reason why it's scaled to the size that it is today. Is that um, you know we started off as just a bunch of guys getting on a podcast that know stuff about fitness, talking and having fun, but we've really kind of honed in on that message. Yeah, that was actually my kind of next question, or I have a few questions, but was there a moment when it was kind of like the hockey puck, right? Was that like, okay, it's kind of growing, and then there was a moment? No, 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 and this is the funniest, uh, well, for me, it's funny, because (laughs) uh, I've been talking shit to Sal since day one about this. So Sal and Doug, before we all got together, um, they did all the, like, the internet marketing stuff, like, so I never did any of that stuff. Oh, it wasn't a hockey puck, a hockey stick. Yeah, 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 I knew what you meant. Okay, yeah. I totally knew what you meant. (laughs) Using my hands. Uh, Because this is something we talk about all the time. And early on, so, okay, Sal and Doug, they've done all the marketing stuff. Now, I I pride myself on being, like, the business leader, that's why I'm CEO, right? So, that's my side of it. And from day one, when we were building this thing, I always said, I never want to build it, uh, thinking that the hockey stick is going to happen. Like I want to build this thing knowing that it's going to be a grind forever and put systems in place. And so we can all have a living and survive. And so, you know, I know that we all hope that's going to happen one day, but you know, I'm not, and Sal would be like, Oh, it's coming. It's coming. And since day one, he would say that. <laughs> like, they say that in, in, in the internet sales, they say you're going along and this and that. And then all of a sudden whoo, the, the, the hockey stick happens. And we really have, I mean, if you, I mean, I guess if you took, uh, looked at a snapshot of, no, you wouldn't. Even if you looked at a, a bird's eye view of the revenue, it, it's not a hockey stick. It's literally, we have the same consistent growth year over year since day one. What about downloads? I feel like you guys have been at this for what, five years now-ish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's only been the last couple of years that you've been more mainstream. Is that's, that just me? That's just you. That's yeah. what everybody says. That's so that's, interesting. Because everybody else feels that, right? right. Because... You know, now, I mean, we're consistently number one in fitness. We're, yep. we're now a big fish in a small pond. Yep. Uh, we were small, medium fish for a long time. Uh, and I, you, I mean, from a podcasting standard, we're probably in, in fitness, we're probably the biggest fish yep. in, the, in the space now. Yep. So that, it feels like that for everybody else where they're like, yeah, man. Where'd guys, you come from? Yeah. Yeah. You guys blew up and oh my God, mind pump. And it's like, you know, the, the business has downloads. Um, uh, revenue, uh, everything has literally and, and email, YouTube. You can look at all line items. If we were to measure this, uh, has been this gradual. You know, year over year, we've improved. And uh, I mean, I and the joke behind the scenes where I was alluding to this story was that you know we always joke that I, I hope uh, Sal is right and I'm wrong. You know, like I, <laughs> I I hope one day I get fucking surprised by this massive <laughs> hockey stick. I'm gonna be happy as shit. But I actually used to say to him that, you know, the argument that I had with him is like, I hope that doesn't happen. And and I said, we weren't prepared for it. Back then we weren't. We are now. Uh, and I think that's actually something that cripples a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, this, speaking of the event we're at today and talking to all these young kids, I think sometimes the overnight success hockey stick, you know, especially with the Instagram world and YouTube, you can become famous almost overnight yep. with one viral video, is actually crippling for a lot of these kids because – the journey to get there to learn to scale uh, that's where all the, that's where all the real long term success is going to come from is like figuring that out like we have had plateau after plateau after plateau in this business every year we have one every year we have a financial a download downloads plateau 
And it always for, forces us to reinvent ourselves. Like, well, how can we get better? What are we not doing? What else are we not? Where are we not serving here? Where, and, and because of that, I mean, it's continued to refine the business and made us better and better and better. Whereas if, you know, we have programs to sell and monetize, we're making good money. If all of a sudden I had a hockey stick that happened and just tons of money came in, I think what happens is a lot of people, if they're not out spending it on cars and, and flaunting it, you just, you, you know, either buy people in positions or throw it at software. Or you just start throwing it at things that you think you're supposed to do where, you know, we've had to be very strategic about, you know, every decision that we make. And when we start making a little bit more money, typically we always reinvest back into the business, which for us is people, um, because I'm always looking to scale ourselves out. I got asked recently on an interview when that, when the mo moment of, when did you feel like you had made it? Like when, when I was at, and I said, you know, it wasn't a dollar amount for me. It was a moment in the business that made me really proud. And I said it was, uh, so Cassie handles customer service on the back end. Her job 100% is just that. She sits at a computer. She responds to 50 to 100 emails every single day, uh, which is all being built in, into HubSpot and being automated for AI in the future for us. But right now she's manually doing all this. And, you know, with HubSpot, I can track and see mm -hmm. er everything you've done on my, um, I can see what lead magnet you came in on. I can see what blog you read of ours. I can then see what YouTube you watched of us. I can see what podcasts you listened to. I can see what program you bought on what day. I can see the communication that you're having with my customer service team and what they're saying to you and you're saying back to them. Fucking incredible tool. So I can see all this. And uh, this lady had bought, I think, two or three programs already from us. And she's asking a question from Cassie. Cassie's responding back to her and she's referencing me. Oh, and Adam said this and that. And the lady sends back, who the fuck is Adam? And I was like, that like, <laughs> made my day. Like that, I've like got like a little, you know, grin across my face. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like and selling I, programs and it isn't, it's not because they trust you. They just want the program. Right. We, and to me that what that said was that, you know, I have built a, a, a business that is, does not rely on me. And that adds a ton of value to people's lives enough to where this person would spend hundreds of dollars with our company. Uh, and loves it and is getting serviced great and just has no idea who this Adam guy is. And uh, I just, I get a kick out of that. We, I mean, and that over the last two or three years, a lot of everything that we've done is we've removed ourselves from everything. So I'm in no, none of our programs. We, I was in all of our programs mm -hmm. when we first started. We used, when he didn't have a budget, we shot Doug ran around with a camera and shot me or Sal doing exercises. And, you know, when we refaced everything, we removed ourselves and hired models and professional uh, camera edit stuff. So that's, uh, so now you won't even find us in there. I removed myself from the YouTube channel almost two years ago. Um, and so, and then all the communication that happens with people uh, is through my team that's doing all that. So for me, like, that was a cool, a very cool moment to be able to be like, oh, it's dope that somebody has no idea who I am, <laughs> but they're totally in my ecosystem. Now, so it's so cool. awesome. Yeah. And it just goes to show all the, all the work you guys have obviously done on the automation side and that your stuff's just out there mm -hmm. and people are finding it however they're finding it, mm -hmm. which is cool. So if someone was, let's just say someone is, people are sharing podcasts all the time. Do you feel like everyone has a podcast and so it's a bad move? I'm sure you get asked all the time. I do, and I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a bad move. Like, well, who should start a podcast and who shouldn't? <laughs> well, if you don't like talking, you should. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you don't like to talk, uh, I definitely don't think you should start a podcast. I don't think Justin should start a podcast by himself. I, mean, he, <laughs> I think he matches incredibly well with Sal and I, and as a team, we we make an incredible three right together. 
but if you if you don't like talking, um, it, it definitely isn't for you. I, I, and I, de- Sal and I were meant for that. I mean, we we've uh, it's part of our purpose. You know, since I was a kid, I've uh, felt uh, natural to stand in front of people, talk to people, and I've always been able to do that. So if you if you like doing that, I think that's the first step. Um, and if you have something good to share, uh, I think storytelling is important too. Uh, I think you being a, I think you have to be a good storyteller. Uh, so those are attributes that I think you'd have. Now, I think there's lots of opportunity though on how you use the platform. I've seen a lot of different people use it in different ways. For example, first person comes to mind right now. I was just talking about this kid yesterday, uh, Jordan Syatt, a uh, good friend of ours, uh, was Gary. Oh, no, Jordan. Yeah. Okay, Jordan, good, real good kid. Um, he podcasts, but he doesn't look at his podcast anything like how we look at our podcast. Like we, we're trying to grow mainstream and do all kinds of stuff with that. Uh, and it's almost the center of our business. Uh, it's it complements his inner circle program. So he uses it to speak to a high paying group of people uh, that he actually integrates them into it. So if you're part of his high paying group, you also may get featured on the podcast. You get to ask specific questions. So he's basically talking to uh, an, a paying audience. Uh, and so I think that's a brilliant way to use it. Now, He's never going to scale it to be the size of Mind Pump that way, but he doesn't need to. I mean, it's generating him a ton of revenue. It supports what he's doing. Um, so I think uh, how you use it. Uh, another way you can use it um, that parts of ours will be used. So you know, as we as we've uh, created all this content, I you know, referenced HubSpot before. It's in my opinion one of the best CRMs that's out of the market. You know, part of what I can do with that is we can take clips and pieces from it, and this is part of Cassie's job, when she gets a question and she answers it, you know, she takes clips from these the podcasts that we've broken up. Like if, man, if someone asks a really good question on the show and man, Sal just had a fucking beautiful answer or I had a beautiful answer for that, well, that's, we've got that. We can clip that. That's cool. Now, anybody in the future in the business that has a question related to that, we can automate that process. And so we're, we're building that right now so that hopefully even one day, it doesn't even require a person to do it that. Someone can come in and type in a question and then all of a sudden you get this soundbite awesome sound that is like specific to what you're asking. So, you know, I mean, you can use it that way, right? So there's, I think there's a lot of cool ways to use podcasting. I think it's getting into it thinking you're going to become famous or a great podcaster right away. Uh, I mean, I guess if you're as narcissistic as we are, because we thought we would do that, you know? <laughs> we really saw an opportunity, right? Like we... And that was, you missed my talk yesterday, but my talk was, I didn't want to bullshit everybody. I said, you know, the reality is everybody that I'm talking to right now, there's, you know, less than 10% of you are going to scale your business to this size. It's a fact. And I said, I'm no expert. Uh, This is only the second company I've ever reached millions of dollars in. So uh, just because I did it one other time doesn't mean I'm an expert at it. But what I can tell you about both those experiences of scaling something that big is I timed the market really well. I saw an opportunity for something that uh, a need that somebody wasn't filling and I jumped on it right away. Uh, I did that in the marijuana business when it was scary and nobody wanted to mess with it and they were all afraid to do it. Um, I wasn't and it paid off huge for me. Again, with the podcast space, I saw a huge opportunity. Um, so did my partners and we didn't have, we knew we weren't talented. We probably had no business doing it. Um, we didn't feel like there was anybody in in the space that was entertaining and educating and giving the right message for the majority of people. 
I saw a lot of people speaking in echo chambers, just like I see on Instagram right now too, right? You see in a lot of social media platforms, a lot of fitness people are speaking to other fitness people and they don't even realize that they're, it's like, you're, you're talking to all the people that love to work out just like you, right. which being a personal trainer for almost two decades, I loved when I got a client like you, I don't get used, you know what I'm saying? I don't get somebody who likes to work out and keeps themselves thin and wants me to take them to the next level. I always laugh when coaches are like, I only work with motivated people. And I'm like, if they're motivated, they wouldn't need you, right? Like, that's your actual job right? is to get them motivated. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's like the, or wanting to train athletes, you know, like right. that, it's such a small percentage of the world that is trying to be healthy and fit. And what I've learned, uh, and so had my co-host, was you know the message to those people is so different. Like how I would, like if you really did hire me, like you said, Adam, you know what I would do? Let's go to the next level. You want to compete on stage again one day, and you're like, I just want you to the accountability. People. Like the way I talk to you is so different than how I talk to Susie, who is intimidated by the gym, has body image issues, has food fucking issues going on, like just to host, which is normal people. Normal. Yeah. Yep. That's the majority percent of the world. Yep. Right. Or like, 90% of people just don't even think about exercise. Right. Absolutely. That's like Jillian Michaels is hitting those people yes. and she's extremely successful because right. that's the biggest part of the pyramid is the base. Right. And that's a great point of where we saw the opportunity is the, the people that were hitting the masses. We're going like, Oh my God, the, the <laughs> Jillian Michaels and stuff of that, that, yep. that got there because they were famous, not because they were giving the best information. Right. So we did. We really like, hey, I know I may not be the best podcaster, but what I know is there are people out there that are making a lot of money talking to a lot of people and they're not presenting the best information to them. So insert mind pump like here. We're going to figure this out. And, you know, and I, I think that's why it got traction was because the message has been right since day one. We just weren't very good at it. I think we've just kind of refined that. And so. You know, if you're thinking about getting in podcasting and you believe you see an opportunity, like you, whatever who's listening right now and uh, whatever space you're in and you think there's something that somebody is not addressing and you feel it in your heart and you know it, well, God damn it, go get it. You know, go in. Don't tell, don't let me tell you that it's saturated or it's hard or whatever like that. Like if you believe, and that's was my message in my talk yesterday was, you know, to me, it's all about timing and opportunity. Timing in business is everything. A, a bad idea sometimes will do well in business because the timing is right. Mm. A moron can sometimes hit it out the park because he or she was just the first to market at the right time and they're successful. And at the same point, sometimes a brilliant idea that is poorly timed doesn't take off. So if you see something and you believe in it, uh, and, and, and it's, and it's in podcasting space, then fucking jump all over that and start figuring it out. What's beautiful is it's, it's not regulated. So I don't have to answer to a boss that says, no, don't do that. Or don't say that. Like I'm going to, you know, I believe in something. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to throw spaghetti on the wall. We'll see what sticks and reps, which, uh, you know, I know how long it took me as a trainer mm -hmm. which I share this on the show all the time. Uh, first five years I, I, I spent the rest of my career apologizing. That was, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, I had people puking. Uh, oh yeah. Like terrible. 65 year old man hasn't worked out in like a decade. And I'm like, just doing the worst shit. It's, it's awful. I mean, yeah. I was, a, I was <laughs> a, a whole, and now, and, and you know, if, if they were a client, they would tell you otherwise they, they liked me. I was likable, you know, I was a likable person, but I wasn't a great trainer by any means. It took, you know, thousands of hours before I became an expert in that field. So uh, I know damn well I'm no expert in podcasting. I haven't even reached uh, the quarter point of what I have in personal training. So 
you know, we approach that the same way. Like I'll just keep refining our craft, keep getting better at it. And so if you're somebody who's thinking about podcasting uh, and you see an opportunity with that, I, I think it's fine. Or if you know how you could use it to complement your business, I still think it's a brilliant strategy, a great tool for you to have. Um, but what you get a lot of too is, you know, I have a lot of friends now, which, you know, don't even listen to our show, but because they've seen so much success that I've had in five years, I'm going to start a podcast. You know, it's like Adam did it. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, they have no idea everything that went behind all of it and how important all those other factors like timing opportunity uh, were for the success that are just doing it to think they're going to do it. And like, it's going to create a bunch of revenue for you. It's like, no, it's not. And advertising for most people is dirt money. Like it's not this coming. Well, last year too, last year, this last year and this year coming, are the first years that like advertising is like legitimate, really good money. Up until that point, uh, it wasn't even that good. And that's with me telling you how I did it, which was cutting out the middleman, which so I'm making 50% plus more than anybody else that's our size. So, you know, a lot of people think they're going to get into it and they're going to sell ads and make money that way. And it's like, no. No. Yeah, it's not really I know. Good. Shout out Organifi. They sponsor this post, this uh, podcast yeah, as well. Shout out. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever get sick of talking about fitness? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how do you iterate or how do you get yourself pumped up or how do you come up with ideas so that you stay engaged? So uh, this is why I love my partners and I, I love that we had this discussion before we even started. Uh, that's why I got the name Mind Pump and not, you know, Barbell something or Fitness Adam and Justin. Like we called it Mind Pump because we knew then that we did not want to pigeonhole ourselves in a fitness and not because because everything in business tells you to niche down and stay focused on your topic. That's our expertise. Why? Would we, but selfishly, we knew a time would come where I was tired as fuck of talking about fitness and I wanted to explore. So Mind Pump, was the name was born because of exactly that, because we did not want to be stuck only talking about fitness. And so when you see our interviews, I mean, I had Arthur Brooks on Sunday, uh, economist, Harvard professor, Netflix documentary. Uh, the episode before that interview, Bishop Barron, a Catholic priest. Uh, Which is like, what was the idea behind that? You've uh, had him a couple of times. That was fun. I couldn't get, I couldn't get into it. Oh, I was. Because oh. I, I was very, because one of you guys posted about it. I think Sal yeah. posted about it and Sal, I was like, oh. Yeah, it's been most profound for Sal for sure. Because uh, Sal was a full-blown atheist um coming into starting mind pump so it's been uh i was super catholic up until i was 18 like i was a eucharistic minister i was a ccd teacher i went to a catholic high school like oh wow you have and i kind of rejected it after that oh interesting yeah so i wasn't i didn't come from catholic i had a christian background but it sounds like you had a, i mean i was being groomed to actually be like a pastor and they thought I was gosh cell groups oh yeah so mm -hmm. i also completely like i haven't been to church in uh decades right um but that's the thing that was really cool, right? So w what we do, uh, and and we even talked a little bit, like, should, you know, should we uh, let a Catholic priest come on our show? Are, are people going to freak out? <laughs> well, and yeah. Um, you know, there was a little bit of concern when we said that. You said, you know what? Fuck that. No, we're not. Because here's the thing. Like, we didn't do it with the intention of, like, letting him come on our show and preach to people. Right. Minister. And we weren't trying to. It's not our. Convert religion. people. Right. Yeah, none of us are. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to convert anymore to the. But. What we liked is about Bishop Barron and how we found Bishop Barron was through Jordan Peterson. Okay. We all have read Jordan Peterson. We all like Jordan Peterson a lot. The two of them have had some shows together that are incredible. And uh, what we really liked about Bishop Barron is like we could ask him very hard questions uh, and he wouldn't shy away from anything. And he's using new, medium to, new uh, media to communicate this message. 
And so the way we looked at it is like, listen, I know our audience, whether they're religious or not religious, hate it, whatever, probably have curious questions just like we do. And that's how we're going to approach this interview was we asked a lot of both times we interviewed him. We, I mean, we asked about all the uh, debacle in the church with the molesting the kids. Mm -hmm. We've asked him about infidelity stuff. We've asked, I mean, we asked a lot of hard questions that um, was really interesting to hear the way he talked about it. And some people in our audience, there was a small percentage, but some people uh, struggled uh, with it. But what I know about that, um, I just had a talk with uh, Chase and Josiah, and uh, Chase uh, has a similar background as you and I, Was grew up in it a lot, um, saw a lot of hypocrisy, kind of like, you know, I'm done, I don't want anything to do with it. And I said, you know, I had a, I had a, a recent um, moment that really struck hard for me, and it's something that I've said forever, and I hadn't challenged that area of me, and that is anything that I feel very strong about and sure about are the very things that I should question the most. And because I had been so staunch, I'm not going back to church. I want nothing to do with it. I know why. Nobody's got my experience. I've been in 13 different denominations. I was part of cell groups. I've seen the infidelity with the pastors. My parents were hypocrites. And the, so I, and that was my stance on it because of my experience in no way anyone can convince you otherwise. Meanwhile, I say this all the time, which is, you know, if it's the things that we we believe the most or we feel strongly about are the things we should look deeply, most deeply into and uh, that I had to challenge that. And so that was also part of us allowing uh, someone like that on the show, because technically, uh, if you were to have asked us that th a year into the show, one, Sal was atheist, he definitely wouldn't want to do it. Two, uh, the way I st stood on things would be like, uh, uh, but, you know, it's like, hey, like, I'm curious still, and I have questions. And the irony of that, uh, most we've got more of a boost from him being on our show than any other guest. We've really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And both times. Both times his episode. Because you feel like your listeners were more like you guys and had those kind of questions, or because you feel like, I, I mean, I'm so detached. Like I'm so detached from like the church and like any sort of religion that I don't. But that's so big. I mean, religion is huge still. It's not in my sphere. So I'm like, oh, people still believe in, right. people still read the Bible. But I mean, no offense to everyone who does, but it's like, that's such a small part of my reality that like, do you think it's because of that? Or do you think it's because people are more kind of agnostic and having questions? I think it, I think it's both. I think it, I think a couple things. Um, I think people really did appreciate uh, because you have someone like Sal who openly talked about being atheist agnostic on the show, uh, since we've been on that, Justin and I have mentioned we grew up Christian, uh, but by no means did we profess anything or even preach to anybody at all about it. I think because we've laid such a good foundation with our audience, they know where we're coming from. And because we brought a guest on like that, I think more people were open to hearing it. Like, even if you're kind of had a feeling of, oh, I don't like, I don't want to be preached to, I don't hear that. Like, because I think they were genuinely curious, like, what is Mind Pump going to ask this guy? Um, and then I think because the way we ask questions, I think people really did appreciate that. Like, oh, wow, they're not just like letting this dude preach. They're asking him thoughtful, challenging questions that I've probably had questions about myself. And then I think we also got a, a major boost from that. So the combination of that and then they have such a massive following that we exploded in the Catholic Church. So one of the craziest things that we experienced, this has happened two weeks ago. So we're heading down to go uh, see Arthur Brooks uh, speak at like this TED Talk thing. 
And uh, they invited us down there and they had like front row seats in this amphitheater for us. It was really nice what they did. And we almost didn't go uh, because we had to drive five hours and we already know that interviews don't do much for us. We've never met this Arthur Brooks guy. We don't know if he's going to be pretentious because he's got a Netflix documentary and like we're always like real hesitant. Like it's, it's not worth it for us. We've learned this already. And so we were like back and forth, like, should we go? And, uh, you know, we finally looked at each other. The final decision, and I remember Sal spoke and said, he says, listen, he goes, every time we've done uh, what we believe is the right thing to do, uh, we've all, it's always served us. And uh, we said that we would be there. Uh, we should be there. And we all said, you're right. Okay. So we all like, ah, you know, begrudgingly, we got in the car, headed down, drive down there to get in and watch the TED Talk, then have a 6 a.m. interview the next morning, turn around, drive back five hours, right? But when we get there, we, we walk into the amphitheater. Arthur Brooks is down at the front, and he's down at the front with like Bishop Barron and a bunch of other pastors and stuff. And as we come walking in the amphitheater, I, we make eye contact with Arthur Brooks. He looks up, and he, he yells Sal's full name, Sal the Stefano. And we kind of look at each other, and we, we go walking down there. We get close to him. He comes walking up. Big old hug. Now, mind you, like when this is all being set up too, like we have an assistant that handles all of our bookings, stuff like that. So we're not communicating with him. Uh, he has obviously an assistant handles all his stuff like that. So he's not communicating with us. This is our first interaction. And he gives big hugs. He's like, oh man, I'm so excited for our interview tomorrow. And, you know, and right away, I'm always skeptical. Like, oh, this is a great salesman. This guy's just like, you know, you know, pumping my tires and shit. You know, this is what, this is what <laughs> he must be a great speaker and talker and he's closing me already. Right. So I'm already skeptical. Right. And, uh, we're like, Oh good. You know, we're really excited too. We're big fans of your Netflix series and love the talks that you've done. We're really excited for tonight. And he's like, Oh man, you have no idea. He's like, I was in the gym working out like six months ago and I was right in the middle of chest press. And all of a sudden, I hear you guys talk about my documentary. I freaked out. I dropped my dumbbells. I called my wife, and I go, the Mind Pump guys are talking about my documentary. <laughs> it was the That's amazing. Oh, it was so amazing. It was like one of the highlights uh, of the business this year, I would have to say, because we all acted like little schoolgirls afterwards. You should have seen all that of That is so cool. Yeah, you I never know who's listening. Never had any idea. He's been a fan for over two years. Incredible. Yeah, and, and loves everything. And, uh, so, and we all just kind of looked at each other like it was this moment of like, see? See, we're supposed to be here. We're supposed to come down <laughs> yep. here. So I know. Could you imagine if you bailed? Yeah. yeah. Right. Aww. But so now, why I was telling you that story, aside from it being such a memorable moment for me, was that around him is standing all these priests because they're 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 there. Bishop Barron is also speaking at this talk, and we had met them before. And you know, it's mind pump, and we've been coined as like the Howard Stern of fitness. So like they know about what we talk about, what we do, and they're like. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the podcast. They all kind of act like that a little bit. Well, they see the way Arthur Brooks kind of receives us. And then all of a sudden, all the priests like start like pulling us aside and be like, hey, I love the show. I listen every single night. Like, <laughs> my wife and I like talk about Sal's memes and everything. Oh, my like God. Oh, they all start oh sharing God, all amazing. these stories. And we realize like, oh, my God, we have like completely penetrated this community. And with no intention of doing that, it was just purely out of curiosity for us to go that direction. But there's obviously nobody in uh, that community that's probably speaking to fitness that's also entertaining for them. And I'm sure there's a little, because we're like secular, the way we talk about things and stuff, I'm sure there's a little uh, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for that they that they enjoy because it's a little bad, right? Like we're we're like, it's a little illicit, right? Right. So I I think that there's that probably that side of it they enjoy uh, that they feel like it's a, a little bad to be listening to us, but at the same time it's good because we're providing good information and we have a good message. So uh, yeah, I would have never guessed uh, doing something like that would have served the business so well. But yeah, both times we've had the biggest. Uh, podcast boost we've ever had. So amazing. So is that the way that you, so I talked earlier today and one of the ways I talked about iterations and how to stay in the business and like kind of tenacity for me, it is always going in the direction that I'm excited about. And so do you feel like that's been what has offset the times in which you've maybe been like, Oh, are we talking about hit? Are we talking about cardio? Are we talking about food obsession? Like the times that you're kind of like not really wanting to talk so much about fitness that you've brought in guests that have provided that outlet? Yeah, well, almost always now. Uh, we actually, I don't, can't remember actually the last like pure fitness guest. Um, so a, a personal goal, and this, I haven't really shared this on a podcast before, but a, a personal behind the scenes goal for us, like we, we want to break out of fitness. Um, I mean, that's a, if it happens, it happens. Like it's not like we're, we're, we're obviously going to build a business around what we're experts in and we, we love it. But I, we're now at a point where I, I want to be known for being a great interviewer. I want to be known for being a great podcaster. Like I, I hope that I can evolve to to that one day and be known uh, for that, not just for being a fitness expert. Uh, so almost all the guests that we pursue now, uh, it, if it's a fitness person, I have to. I'm trying to remember who the last person was. It has to be something that we're like really, really interested in having them on the show, or maybe like a doctor that's talking about something a specific topic. Uh, that we want to personally learn about or share with our audience. Because it would probably be, have to be something new or something you guys couldn't provide yourselves. Exactly. Maybe. And, you know, we were talking to some of the trainers here and they were asking us about that. And we're like, you know, like we've already asserted ourselves as the fitness experts in our, we're already kind of the big fish in this pond. So having other fitness experts come on, even if they're really smart, like sure. Jordan Shallow, who's a great friend of ours. Sure. But having him on my show doesn't add a lot of value to my, to my audience anymore. And we've already, they, our audience likes the way we communicate fitness. So having somebody else come on and communicate that message instead, we're enjoying taking our audience to in ever all these other directions. You, you, you know, uh, what, uh, Arthur, Arthur Brooks is economist, you know, and then, a a, a, a freaking Catholic priest, <laughs> and, you know, and then, uh, what was near his specialty is what, uh, what is he at a uh, Purdue Harvard, uh, professor in um, science and fuck, what's his? I forget what his what he speaks in. But I mean, every time we have a guest now, it's it's other topics. Like we prefer to go uh, in other directions than just the fitness place. I feel like we already provide so much fitness content yep. that if you're there, if you were there for that, you don't feel like we're still not giving that. Like you still get that from us. You can guarantee to get three quads that are a hundred percent centered around fitness. Uh, but all the interviews and the things that we pursue are, are always out of that now. Mm -hmm. like I want to go do other things besides that. So that's how I scratch that itch. That's how I keep myself from getting tired of talking just about fitness is by stretching our capacity by, you know, talking to these authors and, and other people for sure. Yeah. Amazing. One of the things that you guys talked about the last time you were on, and uh, it's interesting because Danny and I were, we were not that far, far into the podcast at that time. And it's funny because we just, last week we just released some old episodes. We did like a relationship week. So we released like five of our like top relationship episodes. And the first one was like maybe our third or fourth episode. And I was listening back to it, like cringing only because it was so formal. At one point I was like, 
okay, Danny, what do you think about that? Like it was so, and I was like, ah, I can't believe, but you do get better. And I think for us, we have gotten better the more conversational that it's been. And also the more like vulnerable we've been. And I know you guys have gone through like kind of a lot of life, life stuff on the podcast. Was there a moment where you were like kind of ripped off the bandaid and was like, Oh, I just, I guess I said that. So we're going there. Like, I think sometimes I forget that thousands of people are going to listen to an episode because it's just Danny and I, and yeah. we're like just bullshitting. Yeah. And then I'm like, I can't believe I just told thousands of people that one thing. So do you have those moments of going, I guess it's fine. How does that feel for you? I call them vulnerability PRs. Like, okay, I guess and we're like. Actually, funny you referenced that because when you said that today in your talk, I actually leaned over to Sally and said, I really like that. Remember that. Because I've never heard anybody say vulnerability PR before. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool statement. And I think that's a, a, gr- a great thing to teach people is to be seeking that out. Like how, you know, always looking to, if it was easy for you to say all the time, then you're not, you're not being very vulnerable, right? So looking for those PRs, I think what a great, what a great way to, to phrase that. Um, and that's just, that's exactly it. Like uh, we, we knew, and this was taught to us from training so many clients. Like you learned, you learned over years and years of failing and not being a very good trainer and becoming a great trainer that the more vulnerable I was with my clients, the more I humanized myself to them, uh, the more I got out of them and the better they were at adhering to whatever I was teaching them. So we pieced that together long before the podcast. And so we knew that was a recipe for success in teaching clients. Well, we're, we're still teaching clients. We're just doing it now on a virtual podcast. So that same formula applies. Now you ha- we had to get over that little hurdle of, oh shit, you know, tens of thousands, millions of people may be listening to this like, wow, that's a little scary. I also think that um, I'm lucky because I have two other partners because there's already been plenty of times. There is for sure in our audience, especially the size that it is, there's definitely people that listen to our show every day that don't like me. I'm fully aware of that. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm an acquired taste I'm not, because I say what's on my mind. Um, and I think that people that do like me appreciate how vulnerable and real I am. Uh, and so I get some latitude with those people with maybe some of the things I may say that might offend you. Um, but there's definitely people that don't like me. And because I have two other co-hosts to make up for me there, I think that that's how we, 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 and there's definitely people that don't like Sal. Sal and I are probably the two most polarizing on the show, uh, because of things that we say and that we open up and say, uh, share on the show. We've never edited. So we've never said something and told Doug, like retract that. I can't put that out there. We've agreed since day one. Like if you're dumb enough to put it out there and say it, then fucking we're sticking it. We're saying it's part of our message is staying true and authentic. And so if it comes out your mouth, we're putting it out. So we'd agree to that a long time ago. And I, I also think that it's been our superpower because to your you know vulnerability PR point, um, the more vulnerable we've been, uh, the better we've been received and the the better it's served the, uh, the business and the podcast. And so... I'm always seeking that. Like I'm always, ch- and I challenge my, my co-host. Like the thing that we do to each other really well is like, I know when Sal's got home stuff going on or Justin does and like, I don't fucking shy away from it. Like I'll put it out there like and put them on the spot to make them share it. And they do the same thing to me. Like, so, cause we know, we know that it's important that we continue to do that for our audience. They know we're fucking real. We're just like everybody else. Uh, and I think that there, what's neat is dialogue always happens from that. Like you say something that puts you, that's you're vulnerable. Normally when you're really vulnerable, you're scared about something, you're uncertain about something, you're still trying to figure it out yourself. And so part of the scary part of saying it is that you probably don't have the answer to it. The fact that I have two other really intelligent men that I have a conversation with, uh, allows great dialogue. I, I normally grow and learn from it. So selfishly it levels me up as a person. 
And more than likely, there's thousands of other people that were thinking the same thing as I was. And that probably struck a chord with them as helpful. And I 100% believe that is, and, you know, to your point, also why I liked you girls a lot when we first met was because I, I felt that from you guys too. And it's needed in our space more than any other space, in my opinion. I think that uh, most people here uh, got here uh, because they were extremely insecure about their bodies and they overcompensated for many years. And part of overcompensating when you have body image issues is you get, you build a pretty badass body and you, and you get a lot of sometimes attention from that. And then the obvious pivot and transition is to make a business out of it. Uh, now the irony of that is that doesn't qualify you as the best people to be teaching around it. And uh, so I think the space needs more people like yourself and what I think that our message presents that is okay with sharing that and admitting that, that I too was there uh, where it was a major insecurity of mine and it drove me to become this super rip up looking guy. And for many years, I uh, let that be the motivator and thought that I had all the answers and my advice came from that place. And it took me a long time to come full circle and get beyond that. And I'm and what I know now is, and you know, I'm I'm wise because I know that I know nothing, right? I know mm. that I still have got insecurities. I still have issues. And the more I'm vulnerable and can share that, the faster I can get through it and level up from it. And and that's the shit that is really helping the average person. And so, yeah, when I hear people like you speak and and and, and the message that we're presenting in this space, it, it, to me, of all the stuff, I and mean, you had a great talk today, Sal had a great talk, but that's the stuff that I see that really separates you guys from everybody else is that especially today because most people in our space today that, uh, that are at that level where they have a million Instagram followers or YouTube or whatever, they got it because of the way they look. You know, they look a certain way and they got all that attention. And honestly, most of them aren't ready yet to probably be teaching, uh, you know, the average soccer mom who's trying to lose weight and has been battling insecurities her whole life because they're still working on their shit. Yeah, I know. It's, it's such a relatability thing, too. What do you say to someone? Because I think... For me, vulnerability like levels the playing field. I love like pulling back the curtain and like being super transparent because there's nothing you could say about me that I haven't said about myself. Absolutely. And I think it's counterintuitive though, right? Because if I start sharing how I am struggling or how I have struggled, shouldn't that take away from my credibility? You know, I don't think so. Um, I think that's the back of the mind. Like I can't share that I crushed a pizza last night because people are going to think I don't have my shit together Yeah. when it's like, you don't though. And I don't either. Yeah. You know, uh, I, when it, when it comes to like, so this, this, what this reminds me of too, like it's, it's really crazy that I'm in a place too, where I speak because uh, I either have ADD or dyslexia or whatever. I do this. My, sometimes my mouth can't keep up with my brain and I like make up words. I still do this to this day on the podcast. Like it just, I can't help it. And, uh, and even when I write, um, uh, my uh, grammatically, I'm terrible, but all, the, all these things, and I've known this for my whole life. And what I've never allowed it to do is to keep me from doing what I feel compelled to do. Um, because of fear, because of fear, of what other people are going to say about me, because people are going to tease me because I can't spell well, or tease me because I make up a word or, you know, tease me because I have these flaws. Like, I've made peace with that and know that I am who I am. Uh, 
uh, no one will ever be able to do me as well as I can do me. Um, I'm, I'm confident in who I am and with my flaws. And my flaws, too, are also what make me unique and special. And I think learning to accept that and being okay with sharing that is what people are really drawn to. And I, and even though you may think, you know, it'd be counterintuitive that, oh my God, it's going to discredit me. I'm not the, like, what I'm not going to do is claim that I'm, I'm definitely not the best at, you know, spelling. I'm not going to say that. I'm not, <laughs> not going to say that, you know, but what I, I'm really good at helping people. You know, I really, really am. I'm really good at helping people. And like, I stick to what I stay in my lane uh, and, and what my message is. And part of that is. Uh, sharing my own story and being vulnerable with it. And if you're the type of person who's going to judge me or try and take credit away from me because of that, that's a reflection of yourself. That's your own issue. Like if you, if you want to, you're going to pick me apart because I opened up and I shared to you that this is a challenge of mine or a struggle that I have. And your response to that is to pounce on me or try and discredit me because of that. Well, that, that says a lot about you. Not me, you know, like that says that you're dealing with something related to that and I can't help you with that. You got to figure that out for yourself. So, and I pieced that together uh, a long, long time ago, even uh, as a kid growing up, I knew that I was teased, bullied, like many kids were and uh, you went, came from nothing and didn't have crooked teeth and we were, we were poor I just, you know, all the things that you want when you're a kid in high yep. school, you know, <laughs> I didn't have any of that going for me. So I had to make up with you know, being who I was and myself and my personality, I was forced into that, that position and really early on figured that out. And, you know, now having a son too, for the first time, I think about like, oh, how I would communicate that to him. And one day he'll be picked on and bullied and stuff like that. And I won't try and shelter him over that. Like it, it's a perfect opportunity for him, me to give him a lesson about them, you know, and I'm actually going to teach him to have empathy in that situation for mm. that person. Like that person that's judging you because of that, like, Son, that's not you. That's that's them. That's 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 why they're that way. That they, they probably don't have a father that loves them as much as your father loves you. You know, they they got their own issues that they're dealing with. Is what makes them want to poke and point at all your all your uh, flaws, right? It's a great lesson. It's something that I think we don't. It's funny because I look at our our parents' generation. They didn't have the tools. They're not reading Brene Brown. They're not like you know what I mean. Like we're the first. I feel like generation who actually maybe has the bandwidth to teach are like the next generation, some of those more soft skills. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. So that kind of brings me to, so congratulations on your son. Thank you. And how old is he now? He's like four months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Still a little one. So that, I guess that last, last question would be like, obviously you, you guys have grown such a huge audience, huge listenership. Um, what is the hardest thing about the fact that you're so open? I know you have, you're probably running into different struggles around managing, people who want access to you, fans, listeners, you know, like people are, feel like they're close to you. So they feel, do you ever feel as though you don't know how to manage people wanting to know? I remember when I went through divorce that I just had people, random people being like, even actually I'm in a relationship now for like a year and a half. And I appeal being like, I haven't seen Keith on your stories lately. Are you guys still together? And I'm like, you're a stranger. It's fine. And it's sweet and it's kind. And it like is, but what's your biggest challenge around people wanting access to you? <sighs> You know, I, I think the biggest challenge is not being able to to serve all of them now. I'm at a place where I, it's impossible to answer the DMs. Uh, I knew one point we'd get there. like, um, But up until about a year ago, I prided myself on I answered every single person that DMed me. Um, but it just it got to a point where that's impossible. It's in, There's more coming in. I can 
be typing one person and three more come in. Like it just, it's got to that point where, uh, I can't service that. So that's also, um, I don't, if, I don't know if you notice, but, uh, you know, I remember when Instagram started off with the, the, you know, the questions thing that you could do. And I saw how other people were using it. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to use this differently. And, and that's how I started the whole once a week I do, uh, the Q and a where you can rapid fire. Like, and my goal, is I literally dedicate the day of answering that. So it's like, you know, probably other people get annoyed. They're like, Oh my God, I'm not going to watch all this stupid <laughs> Open stuff. Open your story. It's like dots across yeah, the top. Yeah. It's like crazy. exit out. Yeah. Right. Crazy. And, and <laughs> I do not blame. But so many people love it. Right. I right, mean like, right. Right. And it's, and it's not for you, right. It's for the people that want access to me so bad that, and they can't get to me anymore on the DM that I go, okay, one day a week, I'm literally going to give everything I got to those people and respond to as many questions as I possibly can. And so that's how that kind of evolved and happened. So uh, that that's an area that I've had to try to work on because I, I really do want to help everybody. And I know that it, it gets to a point where you, you can't possibly service everybody. And I'm doing my best to build a business that's automated and that will be able to service even more people. And so that's a lot of the motivation of what, what we do right now. Um, is anything off limits? Like someone messaged you something that you're just like, it's over the line. You know, I don't, I don't get that as much as I used to get. Actually, I don't, I don't get that at all. Like I used to, I used to get it a lot when I first started because, and which is funny because, uh, I used to make jokes on the podcast, uh, that I, I would get six dick pics to one vagina pic <laughs> a week. That was my ratio. That's that hilarious. Was, that happened to me, right? It was a joke on the podcast, like the early podcast. And I attracted that attention. Because part of how I grew my pod or my uh, Instagram page early on, did I say podcast? I meant Instagram yep. when I said that. Instagram DMs is what I was referring to, the dick pics. Uh, when I was building the Instagram page, I was using uh, my transformation as a way of doing that, which required me to show a picture of my shirt off every single, pretty much almost every day. I took a you know selfie in my mirror. This is where my body's at. This is my weight. This is what I'm eating. That was what I. That's actually how I grew my original audience. And, you know, once my, once I went from kind of fat and out of shape to pretty fucking shredded and looking really good, I started to get a lot of attention. And a lot of that attention was, like I said, you know, dick pics and, you know, naked chicks and stuff like that. And so I had a lot of that and I actually struggled. Um, and I'm trying to remember when we met, it might've been on my way out of that. Was I, I was done competing when we, when we met the first time, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was already transitioning out of that, but probably, I think cause we like bonded over like that lifestyle. Cause Danny J was, a, she was a national level competitor and mm -hmm. yeah. So I, uh, like one of the things I had a hard time I struggled with was when we first started the podcast, I was known as like the meathead bodybuilder guy. And like, I was like, that's not me. I'm so not that guy, you know, like I never once wanted, I don't even, Sal knows more about bodybuilding than I do. Like, I don't know anybody. Like I saw that as an opportunity, but it, it actually kind of pigeonholed me because my Instagram reflected it, you know, all these pictures of me half naked and posing. And so it took about, I would say almost two years of leaving that completely you know, hundreds of episodes on the pod, the podcast, tons of Instagram posts that had nothing to do with my body at all before I moved out of that, before people let that go for me. And during that evolution, dropped off all the sexual attention that I was getting because of the stuff that I was posting. And then, Did you miss it? No. You're like, what? Do I not have no, it anymore? No, no. I don't. I don't. Everybody, <laughs> I'm, attention, I'm, I'm an attention whore. Of course I am. No, I, my, my, my girl knows that about me too. She, she teases me. You're always entertaining women all the time. She knows that. <laughs> I, it feels good. Right? It feels good to be liked uh, by anybody. Sure. But 
I I don't miss that. And the business is at a point now where like helping people, maybe when you're first growing it and like you get only 10 DMs and it's nice. Oh, three of them are flirting with me. Seven of them have questions like, oh, that's great. It's not a point where I can't even service everybody. So I don't even have a time. Like someone was blowing me a kissy face thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not opening that. I don't even have time for that. I'm, like, I'm trying to, I'm not even getting to everybody. He's like, trying to build a, like a major pot, mainstream podcast people. Yeah, right. He doesn't right. have time so for kissy I, face. I, I don't even have time to feed my own ego. These days, right? I mean, maybe early on I absolutely did like, Oh yeah, it feels good. Thank you. Yeah. You know, whatever. But oh, now yeah. it's like, uh, no, I, I, I don't even get to all the people that need to. So yeah, there's nothing that's off limits with me either. I, I really will let, uh, the people can ask me anything, talk about anything. Uh, I'm an open book for sure. I keep I keep part of my life private, but not because I won't talk about. It. Like if you ask me anything, I'm very open and I would share. Um, but I, I am very like careful and guarded with like Katrina and my son. Like um, I've posted more about them than I ever have in like the last like probably six months or so. I've like sprinkled some of them in there. But trying I trying to I, appear single. We did a micro cheating episode, by the way. What'd you say? We did an episode on micro cheating. <laughs> What's micro cheating? It's like stuff like it's like stuff like appearing single when you're not oh. it's not posting your girl on, on social media. It's like DMing. So I I that's an interesting fire fire uh, emojis under people that, girls' that's, photos. That's a, that's an interesting uh, term. No, so for me I my, so my girl's not on any social media platforms at all. That's awesome. Um, and deal. I love that uh, because because my life is re- revolves around that. My business revolves around it. Uh, I would go insane if we both were. I'm sure we would. It wouldn't work. So it's amazing how everything worked out that I ended up with a girl who n- had no desire to ever do that. Uh, and because that too, like she likes to keep her, she does, she likes to keep her life private. Like she doesn't uh, like to get recognized everywhere like that. She doesn't want the attention. She doesn't want you know, girlfriends of hers saying, Oh, I see Adam doing this or, Oh, like, and she used to get shit like that early on, uh, where people would do exactly what you just said, like screenshot a picture of Adam commenting on some girl's page or whatever with that. Like, who's this girl, you know? And she'd be like, seriously, like, I don't care. I don't care what he's doing. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to that shit. I don't want anything to do with that. So part of me never really posting about her is really keeping respecting her in that area that she wants to be private. So, you know, I'll do a, an occasional post where I'll write about her and stuff or I'll, you know, she, my son's been on there, I think once or twice now, but I, and I have a private account for him. So my family can see, so he has his own private account that only obviously family and close friends have access to. And so that's for them. Cause I see value in that. Like if my family across the country want to see my son and pictures, like I'll do that. But I, I started my Instagram page for business. Yeah. I didn't start it for Same. relationships, like meeting girls, meeting people. People are just dating on Instagram now. I mean, they're not oh, even totally. on dates. They're totally. not even on dating apps. Totally. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, so for me, it was like not having Katrina. Katrina has nothing to do with the business. So for me, it's like, I'm not going to put her out there. It has nothing to do with it. And it's, but if someone asks me all about a relationship, like, oh, I've uh, lots of podcasts. I've talked all about like us and our relationship. I share a lot on the show of, uh, things that we've gone through. I mean, we've been together for nine years now, um, so I'm very open about it. But I'm, but I don't put her out there because I don't want. I don't. Want, if you're coming on my page, like mm, she has nothing to do with what I'm building around that page, so I don't need to have to defend her or talk about her. And so I have left her off of there for a long time. But you know, I, I feel like our audience has kind of come a. a a full circle since I've kind of got away from the bodybuilding thing and the attention that I think I'm getting on my social is, is different. And so I feel a little, a little more comfortable, 
but we'll see. You could easily, you could easily all of a sudden, Chris, she, Katrina also disappear and never come on my Instagram for a long time. So <laughs> you'll probably know I, I got unwanted attention that I don't like or that I don't want to deal with. And so I'm like, there's, there's no real value of me posting her on there other than to, you know, let people see who she is. The number one thing Googled. Uh, so if you use like, you know, if you search uh, your name, Adam Schaefer, girlfriend, Adam Schaefer, wife. Yes. Yeah. The, the 10 yeah. wife, girlfriend, Katrina yep. C with a C with a K. Like, I mean, people... mine's Jill Coleman divorce. How about that? Oh shit. Is it, is <laughs> yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Husband was one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and so I know that the people are very curious and interested about that. Uh, and so I give them a little bit, but I like, I like that. Um, it makes me feel like I have still some of my own life too, you know, like, we live this world where we we now I, I talk on a podcast I share everything I'm vulnerable as hell on it I'm YouTube everywhere Instagram shit everywhere uh, there's a there's a part of me that wants to feel like that's mine you know that's not for everybody else it's it's my private life I'll be honest and open if you ask me but you know I like to keep a lot of that like her and our relationship and what we're doing and stuff like that and it's more for her like you know so she feels that she doesn't have to sh- always be sharing me with the whole world so I feel like that's been really important to me that I kind of keep that that way for her so she feels like you know she already has to share me with so many people and she's an amazing woman for having to deal with all that and and just taking it in stride and not even you know making a big deal about it so out of respect I'm like you know I'll keep a lot of the stuff that we do private unless you ask me if you ask me I'll open and I'll share but uh, I like to keep it kind of on the DL so people aren't like fucking in my, all of my business. Yeah. And it's been interesting now being in a relationship with someone who's not in our space at all. And like, I find our, like we're doing a lot of like snow. I took up snowboarding last year and we're like skateboarding and we're like doing all these activities like an activity guy. And I don't like whip my phone out and be like, let me take, like, so I kind of forget about my phone when we're together, which is kind of nice. And it's different. Whereas when Danny J and I were both single and we were like going out all the time and it was like, it was Snapchat, right? It was all the time, you know, like wake up next morning, like what did I post on my stories? Let me go back and look, you know, and it's just, it's a different, it's a different vibe. That's part of why she's also done on there too, is I, part of a, a practice that I put into place when we started the business and, and I still am bad about this. I'm constantly working on this is actually to like get rid of presence yeah. when I'm with her. So I'm 100% present and I give her that, like we walk every day for an hour, typically after dinner. Uh, and I leave my phone and that's my time with her and for us to communicate and spend time. Um, you know, we were big into audio books together. So we try and listen to an audio book a month where, you know, our phones are away from us. We're listening to the audio book and we're, we're just there with each other. So part of why she's not on social is because she's not a part of my phone life. Like I've actually tried to separate that yeah. like phone for me is work, you know? So if it's totally. in my hand and I'm doing shit, taking pictures or talking to people, like it's, that means it's all business. And when I'm with her, she's got nothing to do with my business. So I don't want uh, to be carrying that around and like, Oh, look at our perfect relationship. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's not, and that's another thing too, is I think that's a, an area where, and who knows, like, I mean, I, no doubt in my mind, I feel confident that her and I will be together forever. But what if, man, what if like something happened? What if she decided, what if she cheated on me, had a kid with some other random dude, and this whole time I've been posting about our amazing relationship on Instagram? Right. Like, that would just rock my world, and I would spend half of my probably time on my podcast now having to talk about that. And I don't want to have to talk about that. Like, 
And I don't think that would ever happen. Right. But that's just the way I, sure. I operate. And I think like, and I've seen it already happen. I mean, we, uh, you know, who went through that just recently? Our, our Lewis Howes, right? You saw him go through that. I don't know if you know. We had Jen on the podcast right after. Oh, you did? She told the whole story. Oh, see? So perfect example. Well, you know, we're like the infidelity people. Or at least we're trying to like, <laughs> we're like, who else? Who, who wants to come on? Tell the story. Right. So I don't, you know, I just, uh, I prefer to, and, and I, it blows my mind that he's already like, you know, all the love posts that he posts every other, I mean. I know. Oh, I was blown away. Yeah. Danny J and I were both like, wait, should we have gotten over our shit faster? We don't like, I just think that's crazy. It I is. Think it's, yeah. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's a little silly. I don't think it's a smart, I don't think it's smart. If you are a, a public figure, you're somebody who's built on these, these platforms. Uh, you know, I, I think they think it's like being vulnerable and truth by sharing all that. But it's like, I think you might be setting yourself up for more of a headache than you realize. And, you know, that's how I am. I'm like, I can't control uh, what may or may not happen in my relationship as great as I think it is and how I wouldn't change a single thing. And I'm so blessed to have her, um, you know, who knows? What if she were to do that? Um, I most certainly know if she were to do that, the last thing I would want to have to do is spend half of my fucking Instagram time and podcasting time talking about it. Like, <laughs> I don't want to have to do that. And now I wouldn't shy away from it if someone asked, but I certain if you put it out there like that and yep. that much of it, you're asking for that. Yep. Your post, if you're sharing that much of your relationship and it's all about that, then that's what a lot of people are going to be talking to you about. And if it blows up, everybody loves drama and everybody loves everyone watching, a, you know, a Maury Povich or, you know, Jerry Springer show. And you're asking yourself for that. And if Katrina and I ever go through something like that, you know, heaven forbid it happens in our relationship. But if it were to, she's the type of woman and I'm the type of guy that we would handle that in-house. And, you know, and I also think no matter what happened, as bad as thinking of the worst case scenarios, we still, I think we would be able to leave things amicably. I think we would uh, not want other people involved in it. And I think that's one of the ways I make sure of that is that by keeping that kind of, you know, private from everybody else is uh, protecting her, protecting me, and then not setting myself up for what could potentially be a headache one day if we have a hard time, you know? Yeah. It's so delicate. Yeah. It's so good. Well, this is amazing. We could definitely talk for another couple of hours, <laughs> but we do have to kind of get to dinner, but you're the best. And so uh, we're talking about your social. If you guys are not listening to Mind Pump, you're so missing out. So make sure you guys subscribe and listen, give it a five-star review, all the good things. Um, let us know what you guys think about this episode and make sure you are following Mind Pump Media on all the socials. And Adam, what's your, is it Mind Pump Adam? Yes. Mind Pump Adam, Mind Pump Sal, Mind Pump Justin, Mind Pump Doug. Yeah. Yep. So just follow them all. It'll be great. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Let us know what you think about this episode. And thank you, Adam. We'll see you guys soon. Bye.